Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. Snowpack accumulations in the mountain range that provides California most of its water supply are concerning as the new year gets underway. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain has the story. A notable year-over-year difference in mountain snowpack accumulations in the Sierra Nevada range, California's main source of water. As we started the new year, we had seen an accumulation of only about two and a half inches of liquid equivalency in the snowpack across the Sierra Nevada in northern and central California. And that compares to last year at this time when we had more than 15 inches. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey reminds us that a normal water equivalency year in the Sierra Nevada is 30 inches of snowpack by April 1st. With that two and a half inch accumulation, that is not only far behind average, but it makes it that much more difficult to make this up. With the western water season now at the one-third point. Now we have seen a little improvement since the new year began, but even so, we've only seen that liquid equivalency a little above three inches. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. 49 states have now allowed the sale of E15 ethanol blended gasoline, but the biggest state and the nation's trendsetter in new vehicle emission standards, California, still says no. Renewable Fuels Association Senior Vice President for Industry Relations and Market Development, Robert White. E15 was approved by EPA and the first station opened clear back in 2012. So we are now almost 12 years into the process of trying to get all of the states approved to offer E15. And California remains the last holdout. He is asking how can a state that prides itself on such tough auto emission standards refuse consumers a lower carbon renewable fuel? They've been really focused on their low carbon fuel standard and expanding that. And of course, their interest in electric vehicles. But Again, they can set whatever goals they want emission-wise, but don't exclude the liquid fuels from helping out in the interim or the long term, and don't uh, stop innovation and technology at the same time. And until the California Field Policy Setting Panel changes its stance? No action by the California Resources Board is is keeping the fuel price artificially inflated, but at the same time, causing more pollution than is necessary. White says ultimately RFA expects California to become the 50th state to okay E15 sales as an interim step to bring down emissions and the highest gas prices in the nation. The California Air Resources Board has informed stakeholders that the agency would not be enforcing reporting requirements under the Advanced Clean Fleets Rule, which went into effect this year. High priority and drayage fleets are two sectors required to report early under the regulation, which was approved by the CARB Board in April of 2023. Currently, the ACF rule is being challenged in court by the California Trucking Association, who is arguing that the California rule violates a constitution's commerce clause and is preempted by several federal laws. CARB has requested the environment 
Environmental Protection Agency to grant waivers for approval of the ACF rule or determine that a waiver is not necessary. If either of these options are granted, it is expected that CARB will resume enforcement of the regulatory requirements of the rule. At this time, CARB will not be enforcing the useful life replacement requirement under the ASF rule, which would require model trucks 17 years or older to be removed from service. Additionally, under the enforcement discretion, affected fleets are allowed to add combustion equipment to their fleets, which is not allowed under the ACF rules. CARB is strongly encouraging affected businesses to report their fleets to the system. The price index for fruit and tree nuts was up 9% from June of 2023 and up 11% from July of 2022, according to USDA's National Agriculture Statistics Service. Price increases during July for apples, grapes, peaches, pears, and strawberries more than offset price decreases for fresh and processed oranges compared to a year ago, according to the report. Overall, consumer price increases in August were up only 0.6% from the previous August. NAS forecast almond, apple, apricot, grape, pear, sweet, cherry and walnut production to be up for 2023 to 24, while peach, tart cherry and cranberry production are expected to decrease. The report shows there were significant production increases for fresh cherries, up 60% from the previous year, while grape production was up 6%. Apricot production rose by 9%, benefiting from heavy blooms, adequate chill hours and rain. Nevertheless, the U.S. apricot industry has experienced a long-term downward trend in bearing acreage, down 62% over the past 20 years. That according to NAS. The downward trend in production has coincided with a decrease in the share of apricots utilized for the processed market. The share of apricot production for the fresh market has exceeded that of the processed market since 2018, a trend that appears likely to continue. As for citrus, final estimates for the 2022-23 to citrus season show U.S. citrus production reaching 4.9 million tons, down 12% from 2021-22. to This marks the lowest combined production levels of U.S. citrus in the last 50 years. The historically small crop is mostly due to declining Florida production of oranges. The drop in Florida orange juice production for 2022 to 23 resulted in a first for the U.S. citrus industry. A record share is going to the fresh as opposed to the processed market. 63% versus 37% to be exact, where the mix used to be 50-50 in 2021 to 22. Drops in Florida production are attributed to Juana Longbeing disease as well as severe hurricane shocks over recent years. Even so, U.S. citrus production for the fresh market reached 3 million tons in 2022 to 23, up 10% from the previous season, with larger fresh market crops of oranges up 2%, grapefruit up 5%, lemons up 8%, and tangerines up 29%. The Grower Shipper Association of Central California has elected four new members to its board of directors. Kiana Amarell, Chief Operating Officer of Blazer Wilkinson G. Chris Drew, President and CEO of Oceanus Farms. Carmen Pons, Vice President and General Counsel of Labor, Tamara and Antle. And Matt Rogers, Co-Founder and General Manager of Ag Socio. The new board members will serve three-year terms, according to a news release. Outgoing members include Colby Pieria, Chief Operating Officer of Braga Fresh, Jason Smith, president of Smith Family Wines, and John Wilkinson, founder of Blazer Wilkinson G. Ian LeMay, president of the California Fresh Fruit Association, will become president and CEO of the California Table Grape Commission in the spring of 2025. He will succeed at Kathleen Nave, who has served in the lead staff role since January of 1999, when she succeeded Bruce Obanek. Nave joined the commission in 1987 and plans to retire in the spring of 2025. LeMay will join the commission staff as incoming president once he finds and successfully transitions his successor. They are thrilled that Ian accepted the offer to join the commission team and to 
transition into that lead role, according to Nave. She also said that the California Table Grape Commission has a history of choosing its president and CEO carefully and then allowing time for the incoming leader to transition into the role. In its 55-year history, there have been only three commission presidents, two of whom have served for over 25 years. The Inputs Ag Summit in Fresno, California on January 10th gave attendees an opportunity to listen to a number of presentations from growers, UC scientists, and industry experts on an array of subjects related to crop inputs. The event, hosted by MyAg Life and JCS Marketing, drew about 200 to the Fresno Fairgrounds. Pam Marone, co-founder and executive chair of Invasive Species Corporation, spoke during a session on biologicals and biopesticides. Marone, who calls herself a longtime serial entrepreneur in the biological space, said there are a number of ways that growers can integrate biologicals into their practices. Yes, uh, integration is the word. So we're, we're left without a lot of one-for-one -one substitutes or silver bullets left as chemicals are restricted. So it's really important to learn how to integrate them in. And biologicals are great tools to integrate in with chemical tools and cultural tools into creating a, a systems-based IPM program. And you can actually see better results um, with biologicals integrated in than with chemical-only programs time and time again. Often, growers are put off by the concept of biologicals, either not knowing how to use them or simply not knowing much about them at all. Marone says it's a matter of educating them. Clearly, we have a lot more education to do. Um, one of the things, I'll be critical of my own industry, is that because of the broad labels um, you can get for biologicals, they'll, you know, you can use them on anything, anytime. Well, that's not the case. So growers want very specific information about exactly when and how to use biologicals. So uh, I would say that we're working hard to get that knowledge to them. So it really is... Um, Get them to try a little bit on their acres because once they try them and learn how to understand how to use them, then they sing their praises. She says that once growers are comfortable with using biologicals, ongoing assistance will ensure successful implementation. Citing Brazil as selling more biologicals than any other country in the world, she said it took some trial and error for their success, just as it will in the U.S. And how did that happen? It was, um, it was kind of a failure in the beginning adopting biologicals, but there was a lot of hand-holding in the beginning. So getting the how to use them and how to use them at the right time, the right use rate, um, uh, and, and consideration of you know, all, the, all the things on the label. So when you, you get them dialed in in a program um, and, and integrated in and how to use them specifically, um, that, you know, that really is the key and um, use them early, preventatively, before the pests or pathogens build up because uh, most biologicals are not knockdown products. And the other thing is um, when the tests are done with biologicals, they're often done side by side against, in single trials against, um, in small plots against uh, chemical pesticides. That's not the best time to understand how to use them. So again, on farm, in, in your program, uh, inter integrating them in with other tools and then um, dialing that in um, uh, specifically. Marone added that using biologicals and other methods for sustainability is only going to be more essential as consumers demand to know how their food is grown. She also said she's excited about the innovations on the horizon with pest management tools that will help growers meet the consumer demand. The consumer wants something different and wants a lot of transparency and sustainability in how their food is grown. So we as practitioners, you know, kind of have an we do have an obligation to figure out how to integrate these softer tools in and bring more sustainable programs. And uh, I'm excited actually about a lot of the innovation. There 
is a lot of innovation coming with uh, pest management tools, so I'm excited to talk about that. For My Ag Life, this is Kristen Platts. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination, innovation, science in action. Organic spinach is an essential ingredient in a successful modern produce department. Numbers from the retail data firm Circana shows that organic spinach sales in 2022 totaled $522.6 million, down less than 1% from 2021. Total volume of organic spinach sold in 2022 topped 71 million pounds, about 7% less than 2021. The average price for organic spinach in 2022 was $7.34, up 7.1% from 2021. Circana data reveals that organic Organic spinach accounted for 50% of total spinach retail sales and 7% of total organic produce sales. A survey done by Packers Organic Fresh Trends of 2024 shows 17% of consumers said they shopped exclusively for organic spinach and 42% said they purchased organic spinach at least sometimes. And shipment of goods on cargo ships continues to be disrupted by rebel hoodies on the Red Sea, according to regional Crossroads Co-op manager Brian Irie. I think the major concern is the Red Sea right now. Obviously, the um, these hoodie rebels that are backed by Iran just keep firing on ships uh, that are transporting um, goods through the Red Sea. And I have some information here. It is unbelievable the amount of freight that ends up moving through the Red Sea. And it is uh, creating some um, issues with Maersk and some of these companies that primarily specialize in moving containers. They're having to take longer routes. Regional Crossroads Co-op Manager Brian Irie. The UN's Food and Agriculture Organization says world food prices dropped in December. The food price index, which tracks monthly changes in the prices of globally traded commodities, averaged 188.5 points in December, down 1.5% from November and down 10% than December of 2022. For 2023, the index was 13.7% lower than the average value of 2022, with only the International Sugar Price Index during the period. The cereal price index rose 1.5% from November, but the yearly index was 15% below 2022. The vegetable oil price index dropped 1.4% from November and for the year was 33% below 2022. The sugar price index dropped 17% from November but still finished 15% higher than December of 2022. The meat price index dropped 1% from November hitting a level of 2% below December of 2022. The dairy index rose 1.6% from November. Reporting for CAF Media, I'm Lori Boyer. 
The USDA Commodity Procurement Program strives to ensure efficient, effective, and flexible business processes and practices that support the needs of customers and vendors. To both maintain and expand vendors participating in USDA Foods Program, CPP is working to update and improve their current ordering and distribution processes. The first step is moving to a pallet quantity system with the ultimate goal of streamlining multi-stops for USDA deliveries and developing a model to distribute directly to customers through distribution centers. To make this project a success, they are reaching out to gather information on commercial pallet configurations. Once they have completed their market research, they will have a better sense of the larger project timeline, according to USDA. With the U.S. wine market facing uncertain economic conditions and increased competitive pressure from other drink categories, total volume decreased an estimated 2% to 322 million 9-liter cases in 2023, according to Impact Data Bank. While case sales are down, the industry improved on its 2022 volume performance, and it is estimated to have eked out a small year-over-year gain in dollar terms, boosted by higher pricing. That marks the first value increase since 2020, when sales benefited from consumers stocking up during the pandemic. Clearly Clean, a packaging company, has launched a full line of recyclable overwrapped food trays targeted specifically to grocery retailers and wholesalers. The solution down gauges tray thickness to enable quick, easy, and more cost-effective conversion to 100% recyclable food trays. The new skinnier trays are made from PET, or PET, which is the same material used for plastic water bottles. The patent rolled edge mitigates tears in the overlap film and provides a unique hoop strength that will maintain the tray's structural integrity even though it's a thinner gauge, according to Clearly Clean. They will be utilized primarily for poultry meat, produce, seafood, and deli. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. 